2: Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 110.
0: You thought we were going to get a taco and I was like, I'm going to challenge you and test you here and you're going to
2: be the barometer for how my parents are going to react to me. Call. Martin is a professional soccer player who currently plays as a midfielder for San Diego Loyal in the USL Championship. He has played for DC United and Minnesota United in Major League Soccer. When Colin came out as gay in 2018, it made him at the time the only out man in any of the big five American sport leagues or any top division professional men's national soccer leagues, which is like mind-blowing to me. (laughs) And we talk about that a little bit in this episode, about how, how Colin wasn't even aware of that at the time when he when he was getting ready to come out. I'm so excited to have Colin on the show today. I got connected with Colin back in pre-COVID times when I went to San Diego to do a book event. And our mutual friend, Carrie Umhow said you guys need to meet each other and as i chatted with colin i was like oh my gosh it would be so fun to have him on the show sometime so here's that day when we were getting ready to record this episode colin called me and was like hey why don't we actually get carrie on the episode as well and he told me about how influential Carrie had been in his coming out process. Uh, she was one of the first people that he came out to and really wanted to kind of talk about the, the power of having supportive mentors, supportive people in our lives um, as we make these big choices to come out. I, of course, thought that was a lovely idea. Carrie has been a very supportive person in my life, too. So when he mentioned it, I was like, yes, let's do that. Carrie is Amazing! So Carrie Umhau, she's a writer, a speaker, author. Uh, Her memoir, Burning Down the Fireproof Hotel, is part spiritual memoir, part manifesto for the spacious life that's waiting for all of us. I'm just thrilled to have both Colin and Carrie on the show today. This is such a heartwarming episode, (laughs) and I figured this may be a really good time to release something heartwarming. I feel like I certainly want those reminders that there are lovely people in the world. And this episode does just that. No announcements today. I feel like there haven't been announcements for however many years we've been in COVID. So let's just go ahead and dive in. Colin Carey. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Hey, Matthias. I am so excited to have you both on the show today.
3: Great to be here.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having us. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yes, this is, I've, I've actually been really looking forward to this ever since we we scheduled it. So yeah, thank you. So to start, I'll, I'll ask the question I, I ask everyone. How do you identify and how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? I identify as a gay man and I'd say my faith,
0: it's been with me since I was a little boy. It's, a, it's been a journey for sure. But uh, I'd say in terms of the gay part of me, it, it's been a journey that hasn't always been easy, but um, has I'd say the, the climax of it has been one where I, I know that God completely loves me for the, the person that I am, and He would be not happy with myself if I wasn't completely who I am today. So, and obviously, it's a still ever-changing.
3: I love that. And I'm a straight white woman. I've been married almost 40 years. I'm a grandmother. My relationships are central to my life, and I think that they cross a lot of barriers that are often artificial and unnecessary barriers that people have. I have a lot of fun having a very wide and crazy diverse group of friends. I grew up in the South, and the South and its evangelical culture, and then was a big factor in my faith formation. And then also coming to faith through experiencing grace when I got caught shoplifting. That was a big factor in how my faith ultimately developed. I would say that I haven't call myself a Jesus follower, and I have a an vibrant and active faith life. I experience a lot of guidance from the Holy Spirit, and I enjoy being led into, I guess, places and situations that would have scared me earlier in my life. And right now, I'm learning from a variety of expressions of Christian worship and action, and I just feel my life moving into more and more joy and grace and healing. So, it's a fun time to be in my head Mm, mm. (laughs) in life.
0: (laughs) That's a professional answer right there, Carrie. You think? Yeah. Wow. Are you kidding me? I don't
3: know. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of a confluence of a lot of things I've been thinking about, you know? Turned 60 about a month ago and like, you know, who am I? Where am I? How did I get here?
2: Sounds like David Byrne. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, my love. (laughs) <laughs> so, Colin, you mentioned, and, and I love that we have Carrie here because we're going to kind of hear this story, I think, through both of your eyes. But, but Colin, you mentioned like you, you've been a person of faith since a little boy and then kind of the, the conflict of of realizing you were gay. And Carrie's here because she was a part of that journey. And so I would love to kind of hear a little bit of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I could give a little bit of a of a background of my journey in faith, I guess, Obviously, I've, I've been going to church ever ever since I can remember. I think Carrie was there on on Christmas Eve when I was baby Jesus. Um, when I was, I had an extreme fever, and I actually had to go to the hospital to get a, a spinal tap, like right after Christmas Eve, I think. So, from the moment I was born, really, I was I was in the church. But uh, my family, we went to, I'd say, a more conservative sect of the Episcopal Church in a place called Falls Church in Virginia, and we were there. From when I was a young baby till I think around like eight or 10 years old. And then we moved to an Episcopal church closer to my home in near DC called All Saints. In between that, I've had I've had different experiences of going to a lot of different churches, which is which has been nice with a lot of different denominations. And so for those of you that don't know, I, I play soccer and I've been very fortunate to meet a ton of different people from different backgrounds. And so I'd say one of the more central parts of my journey is when I moved to Ohio um, for this soccer boarding school. And my parents were were pretty adamant that they wanted me to continue to go to church and to continue to learn about God. And I honestly didn't have many people that were going to help me, lead me to do that. So I kind of just picked a new church every Sunday. So So it was great. Like I got to go to all these different denominations like Greek Orthodox and Baptist Church. And that's where I kind of first realized, and that's when I was 12, that there's not one right way to do this thing. And I think that that, that, that was like a really special part in my journey in terms of just taking in what I felt was right, but also being kind of skeptical of, of, of certain things that I, that I didn't feel was, was completely right.
3: Colin, did you get yourself to these places? And like, did you have people that went with you or this was very amazing at that age?
0: Yeah, so I had we had a um like a fake pa- I don't know what it what was it called like um like
3: a house <laughs> like, parent yeah a house parent house yeah parents. like at yeah. this
0: at our academy and um they were actually really religious and so they helped me but also I would really just go with whoever I could. So I found myself going to church on like like with like a lot of different random people. (laughs) So this is so you.
3: This is so you. No, I I know at
0: one point I had I had someone I I don't even remember the church, but like but obviously I come from like a pretty like traditional background where it's like pews and pretty much the same type of service every Sunday. And I went to this church for the first time that had all these huge TVs and you didn't really have to sit down and um (laughs) and I had someone tap on my shoulder. And he was like, "Hey, son, I I think that you uh, you can speak in tongues, can't you?" And I was just like, what? "Oh my gosh, I don't know what that means, but I feel like it's an honor, and um, this is quite the experience so far. Um, thank can. you." So, and, and that was like early on in the service. Could you? So you can imagine how I like was going about the rest of the service as if like I was like it was a, a mission for me to uphold that type of um, responsibility, but. <laughs> That's yeah, there amazing. was a lot of growing <laughs> and learning. Yeah. So
2: so when did you start to
0: realize that you were gay? I'd say I first realized I was gay when I was probably around eight years old, kind of like start of elementary school. And I knew I liked guys, but I didn't quite know how to handle that quite yet, obviously. <laughs> and I obviously had no idea what that meant for the rest of my, my life, really. I'd say pretty early on.
3: But did you have a sense it might be a thing? I mean, like a issue or a, something that you needed to deal yeah, with? Yeah, from it-
0: from early on, I knew it wasn't it wasn't a good thing,
3: mm.
0: which was was hard at times. And I, I'd say it didn't get re- like really hard until I was like in middle school, sixth sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Did I realize like, ooh, this is going to be something I'm going to really have to figure out one of these days? But uh, obviously, I was still growing in so many other ways that I didn't necessarily quite have to. Address my sexuality yet because I was I was still learning in so many other ways, you know Did that
2: feel like something that felt like it was in in conflict with your faith then or I mean because this This sounds like it was still right around the time when you were now trying all these different churches and Kind of figuring these things out. Like what was that relationship like? Oh for sure. I thought
0: I, I was definitely in conflict conflict with my faith. I found myself on Sundays praying to God about what that meant for me and if I needed to change certain things and if I was upsetting him in certain ways. I knew my family, I'd say I'll preface this first, deep down I always knew there was going to be a love regardless for me and I always was going to be supported, but I knew that it wasn't always they didn't have a gay experience themselves, so it was going to be something where I was going to really have to open their eyes to something that um, I don't think they had a lot of experience with before. That's to put it in a really nice way.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, would would it be fair to say like that was terrifying? Exactly. It was terrifying. Yeah, that's that's a fair thing to say and I just didn't want anyone to look at me differently because of it. I didn't think that there would be any reason why I couldn't continue my faith and 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 continue to grow in the church, but I knew that eventually this thing was going to boil up to a point where I couldn't separate the two. And that didn't happen until I was in my late late teens.
2: So take us to that kind of boiling point. Like so you're kind of growing in other ways. You're playing soccer, You eventually start getting signed to teams. Like what kind of brought you to this point of like, oh, I think I'm going to come out. Yeah, well, the short answer is that I had
0: a really traumatic experience with like a potential with a meetup with a guy that became like a a stalking situation and a blackmail situation. And so I had the feeling that I was getting to the point where it, it could have been a more natural coming out. But because of that extreme experience that I went through, I had to tell my friends. I was like, listen, like I'm already pretty much an open book with them, but this is a huge part about me that I haven't been able to tell them. But um, I just went through this crazy experience. I need to tell my friends. And so that's kind of, I, I started with my friends and then eventually my siblings. But the biggest daunting one was what am I going to do about the church? What am I going to do about my parents? And what am I about to do with the, my family friends? And so, and even my, my broader family as well. And I think that's where Carrie comes into it because I bless her heart. I sort of used her as a, (laughs) as a barrier. And, um,
3: I thought we were going to get a taco, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You thought we were going to get a taco and I was like, I'm going to challenge you and test you here. And you're going to be the barometer for how my parents are going to react to me, and of course, it's going to be the same exact uh, conversation, and I'm just going to do it again next week with my parents.
3: <laughs> and we're all um, twins, we're just one monolithic thing.
0: Oh yeah, everyone's yeah. the same at the church, and everyone has the same type of uh, ideas about what how gay people can be present in the church and accepted or I not speak accepted.
3: For all.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Carrie really was going to speak for for everybody in this in, in this in this case. A little bit, so. I know. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And the conversation
3: had started without starting at a party. Do you mm. remember that?
0: Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to kind of well, tell <laughs> us what that party was again?
3: I don't remember what the occasion was because we have a lot of occasions with the same crew of people, but we were having an occasion and we were talking out in the yard and, You were just starting to talk around some things, but I could tell there was more. And I said, I think there's more to what you're talking about. And I think I said that. And maybe we should hang more when we're not, you know, at a loud party by the fire pit or whatever we were by, you know. um, Yeah.
0: Matthias, I don't know about you, but there were some people I was able to easily tell right away. And I think that's when I was, it was more of a concerted concerted effort to tell people It, it would be easy for me to come out to them. But then there was a lot of people where I felt like I had to kind of play a little dance with them, and kind of say a couple of little things without saying it outright, and kind of gauge the interests, engage the the environment either in the room or or kind of where they were at. But I but I so I would sneak in a little things like if, if it was with my sister at the beach, I'd be like, oh, he's kind of cute, and that's kind of a little bit more overt. But, like, she could have been like, oh, Colin's just messing around. But, like, it, it would be, it would be little things. So I think that's kind of what Carrie was alluding to, that I was kind of sort of just picking at it. But I, I wasn't quite ready to. But it was also was at a party, Carrie. So it's yeah. not like I was going to be like, hey,
3: everyone. Yeah, it wasn't the time. I mean, <laughs> we weren't drinks. <laughs> I'm
0: <gay>. like- <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, we weren't alone. And we weren't talking no, about no, no. that issue at all. We were talking about just yeah. a relational issue that was mm. separate. But you were hinting yeah i could just tell there was more to what you were feeling I, yeah not necessarily yeah yeah
2: so i'm so curious carrie like what was your journey kind of up until this point
3: um with colin or...
2: sure I, that's a huge question <laughs> i mean my whole
3: journey or my colin journey just tell me just tell me everything
2: <laughs> um, sure i think i'm i'm more curious kind of around like like faith journey because i mean we're, we're coming up to this point of where colin's about to come out to you and, like, spoiler alert, like, I, I don't think, like, you would be here unless it was a positive response. So I think we're kind of, you know, we're all assuming it's going to be good. We're but, still speaking. But, yeah. <laughs> but, like, what was your journey kind of up until that point? Like, have you always been affirming, like?
3: Oh, definitely no. Definitely no. And really, I think, was coming through decades. It broke my heart a minute ago to hear Colin talking about being eight years old and Literally praying, you know, like, God, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, or, or what am I supposed to do here? Because I was sitting by Colin probably some of those times and in an environment that was not welcoming to the inner struggle that he was experiencing. And it, it kind of kills me right now. I mean, I thought, oh, don't ask me a question because I'm going to cry a minute ago because, you know, to think of how we ever are sitting by people and have no idea what is going on for anybody internally within church spaces or within any spaces. But no, I was very much in and of the camp and formed in the camp of, you know, marriage is one man, one woman. That's biologically our design. Therefore, that's what it is. And of course, we love everybody, but this is the plan. A lot of questions for myself that I don't know what to do with other data. I don't know what to do with um, dear people who I love, who are experiencing something. from, as Colin says, way early in his life, the knowledge of who he was, the knowledge of his sexuality, the knowledge of being gay. I just was sitting there with different relationships, not knowing this about Colin yet, but with different relationships saying, I don't know what to do. I am on a journey. I am seeking God for so much knowledge of how to understand something that has always been very black and white to me. And then sometimes in lots of life, when the map and the ground don't match, well, what do you do? So yeah, the, I was right there, and so yeah, picking back up with the tacos. You know, <laughs> going to sit down for a taco with a guy who I adore, who I've done a lot of life with.
0: Yeah, so I think Carrie it might help people to have a little understanding of our relationship even further. So Carrie's my mother's best friend, and Carrie actually isn't my godmother; she's my little brother's godmother, and so I have a, a godmother that I grew up in the church with as well. Her name is Amy Hartman, and she's. Amazing as well. And if she wasn't free to get the taco, I maybe would have came out to her as well. Cause that, that's how close and how comfortable I felt with the two of them. And I, and I think that's why I wanted to have Carrie and I would have had Amy on too in the first place is that you have to have people that you feel comfortable with in order to get to that point. Right. And so it's a, te- it's a testament to them in general for me to feel comfortable enough to do that. Regardless of where, if I knew where Carrie was at in her understanding of maybe sexuality and her understanding of how, how that maybe fits into society and the church it, it, at large, all that doesn't really matter if I didn't trust her as a person to begin with, right? And I think that's what's important is that we're not going to always meet people at their, their, their best place in their, their most advanced form in terms of understanding, right? But. I think if you, if you feel comfortable enough with, with, with that person that I've said that you should give that person a chance, right? If you're comfortable enough with yourself, I think that then the next step is to give the people that, that love you and support you the chance to receive you as well.
3: Which is a huge risk. I mean, it still can be a huge risk.
0: It can be. And that's a point that can't be, um, understated, but you still got to give the person a chance, right? It's funny, yeah. It's funny that you had to 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 bear that that knowledge and, and, and knowing that my parents didn't know at the time. So that's also a wrinkle. I don't know if I've said that already. My parents hadn't known, but I knew Carrie was was so aligned with the way that they would maybe take it that she was a great place to start.
2: Y'all, I'm so excited to be going to Q Christian Fellowship's first ever virtual conference happening January 7th through 10th in 2021. Listen to this keynote lineup. Father Richard Rohr, Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza, who's been on choreology many times, Dr. Emily Towns, and Reverend Mpo Tutu Van Fert. That's Desmond Tutu's daughter. You'll have the opportunity to hear from and connect with LGBTQ plus Christians and allies from all over the world. QCF conference is an annual gathering where hundreds of LGBTQ plus Christians and allies gather for worship, fellowship, workshops, affinity gatherings, and to experience the fullness of God's love and affirmation through each other. I'll be recording a live episode of Queerology. Kevin Garcia and I are hosting an after hours game night that's going to be wild. <laughs> and we're also doing a workshop together about overcoming shame and bad theology. It's more than just a conference. QCF is catalyzing a movement. Virtual all-access registration is just $45, making this the most accessible conference ever. To find out more, visit qcfconf.org and sign up today. That's qcfconf.org. Can't wait to see you there! So you invite her out for tacos. What happens? Oh, well, the funny thing
0: is like, you, you know how you kind of black out when you're coming out to a person so you don't <laughs> yes, really even know what you're like saying or like or, like, you're like all you're focusing on is just say the damn words like I'm yep. gay or say whatever you have to say. But like, what did we, I don't even care. You'll have to tell me. Do you remember what we were talking about before or we just probably were c- catching up, right?
3: Yeah. Just probably yeah, catching up. I mean, it was fairly recent. I mean, it was fairly soon after the party and if I remember correctly, you followed up after the party and said, "I do, like I really meant it, like we should hang out, or or maybe I maybe I did, but one of us knew, one of us initiated pretty quickly out of that, like, hey, let's follow up." I really don't know that which one. Yeah. And I remember where we sat, and I remember.
0: No, I do too. Yeah, but yeah. So I th- I think I knew what my goal was, and I knew what I had to say, and luckily it went well. Carrie wasn't gonna sugarcoat it for me though she was pretty honest in terms of because because my one, it was like, hey, I'm going to come out to you. But Carrie, like, listen, I don't really care what you have to say <laughs> that much about yourself. Like, if you're not going to accept me, that's great. But, like, tell me what my parents are going to do. Are they not going to accept me? Like, that's the more important <laughs> thing here. Like, <laughs> right, Carrie, right. I can, like, move on if you're not going to be supportive. But, like, Colin, um, no, but seriously, <laughs> I mean, like, kidding. like we would we would have worked on our relationship.
3: Yeah, we had died. Regardless. Like, yeah,
0: I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm always going to work on the relationship. I'm not going to throw anyone away. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. But, uh,
3: the way one's parents are just such a simple. No,
0: I was yeah. I was like freaking out at this point, like that I hadn't told my parents. I was like, it's so sad that I haven't, and I need to tell them. Let me just let me just get a gauge. Let me let me see like where I can I don't know hit them the best way I can, right? And even I asked her like, how would you? Not like I hadn't come out to people, but I was like, "Where should I take them?" And she was like, "Oh, actually, I think you would suggest a care. You're like probably not take them anywhere. <laughs> Maybe just have I them in them. their home." <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was good advice mm-hmm. because, of course, my my mother started crying right away, and we needed that intimacy, the three of us at dinner, to be able to work through some things initially.
3: I remember telling you that it had a lot to do with the culture that we were all in, and that I thought coming that the milieu that we were in theologically was why I felt like your parents were going to, you know, just need to do a little bit of a like readjustment, realignment, like get their heads around everything. And you and I've talked about this several times since that I was able from the instant that you told me to say, your parents adore you and are going to just be fabulously accepting of you and loving you forever. Like this is this, none of that is in question in any way. This is more of a, whoa, you know, cultural milieu readjustment.
0: And this isn't going to be some news that you're going to be able to tell your parents and you're going to, it's going to change your, both of your lives and you're going to, you're going to move on. You knew my mother was going to dive deep into it. And she was going to be the best mother she could, but also she, she wasn't going to take it lightly. Right. And so I think you, whether you meant to or not, were warning me that this was going to be, it, it was going to be life-changing for good, good reasons, mostly, but like you guys are going to work on this together. And that's exactly what we did. Right. We, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just come out and it's over. Right. And I think that's been kind of like the, the coolest part about it for me is because I really didn't realize that our relationship was going to be so much closer me and my parents after coming out. Right.
3: Yeah. And some of what you were expressing and had been expressing at that party was how much you wanted to be fully known. When we first started talking about it, I didn't know what part of you wasn't yet known, but you were just talking about that longing that we all have for our people to really know us and that you didn't want to have conflict with anybody in your life, but knew that you were holding back in some relationships.
0: Yeah, for I mean, for, I, I try to I, I view, view myself as pretty genuine. I think for for anyone really, but it's hard when you know that there's such a big part of you that you're not sharing with others. It can really eat you up because it it makes you feel like you really are not being genuine, and you're not being you're not just you're not being yourself, right? And and, and you can feel kind of like a phony in your own body when you're not doing that. Obviously, it takes time, but most things i was able to express myself i was able to be vulnerable and be open and and so when you have this big thing that isn't that isn't the case it can be pretty hard right and and you can kind of feel kind of beat yourself up about it
3: and you had had unusual self knowledge and emotional intelligence from the time you were really little not everyone has that so i again a minute ago when you were saying being eight years old in the church, praying like, uh, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? You just thought deeply, you processed deeply, you understood dynamics between people, you read other people well. So you probably had an innate sense of where acceptance was going to lie in life in general and where it wasn't.
0: Exactly. And and that that's really nicely said, Carrie. And I, I, that leads me to another thing. I always thought when I was coming out, I was going to have to sit down with the the priests at our church. I was always going to have to really work on this part of me because it was important to me. And my faith was so important to me that I thought like, you know, I'm going to have to tell the priests and I'm going to have to really work at this. But I think once I came out to you and once I came out to my parents and, and other people that were involved in the church, that was enough for me. I didn't have to go and read the Bible and and take some scripture and and be like why does this relate to me. It all didn't become important to me anymore having to to break that stuff down because to me faith is so it, it, it's so much has to do with the relationships that you build in the church, right? And the role models you have in the church. So having you and my parents and and my godmother support me in having their understanding of me and their faith and loving me that was enough and so that was relieving not ha- not having to do a sit down with the priest because i was like <laughs> you know that is not necessary that is not going to be something that i feel sufficient that my parents love me and that they love love god and, and and that that's enough that's that is enough period whether the church what what my relationship with the church from there that, that that's to be seen
2: Such an interesting point. I I don't know that I've thought about this this way before, but like almost the reality of, of because you had people in your life who came around you, accepted you, loved you. In some ways, you didn't have to do the kind of jumping through hoops or having to figure out how to prove yourself to those people. That's Remarkable in some ways, like really beautiful. It speaks to the like the power of of having affirming people in your life. Yeah, completely.
3: I don't know if I'm accurately remembering because I blacked out a little bit in that conversation the way you did because I was so wanting and yearning to mediate God's love to you in that moment and not fixate on any other anything. But I feel like you asked me, you know, like how does this set in the church, or right? I don't yeah. know. Do you know yeah. how you? I, asked did.
0: That? I did. I did. I did. I asked. I asked you that completely. I was like, whether it was on the lines of, will the church accept me? Can I be an openly gay person in the church? Because the the sad reality is that I don't know, Carrie. If you can tell me if I'm wrong, I didn't know any openly gay people in the church. That's period. Like I didn't. And so when you don't have that visibility in in certain spaces, it can be hard to imagine that life for you. So I'd say that lack of visibility, maybe, maybe that's helped me want to be out in my profession now in soccer because I know that how much of a difference it makes to have someone be proud of themselves, open and visible in their profession when there's not a lot of people that are out
2: at that level. We're talking so much about the church side here, which is, like, so important, but, like, there's there's this whole other side that's happening here at the same time of where you're playing major league soccer. You're, like, I think I read somewhere that, like, when you came out, you were the only out athlete playing in one of the five major North American sports leagues. Like, that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and it's um, it's something I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be that big of a deal. And one of the reasons why I didn't is because I I had been accepted by my my family and my friends pretty well to that point. That I was coming from a huge pl- place of privilege, and I didn't realize that that is not the case with whatever fifty percent. Whoever, it's just not the case with all LGBTQ plus people, right? That's just not the same experience that they have. So I, I felt like I really had to, to use my privilege and not hide behind just being proud of the fact that I was, I was supported behind closed doors per se. But you have to make another step and, and come out publicly because that's going to impact a lot of people that, that you wouldn't have before, you know? And actually it's funny, my, my friend in Minnesota that helped me realize how much of a big deal it was going to be and that I needed to come out. He, he's a, a man of faith and is, is someone I went to church with in Minnesota while I was there. And so I think he understood that added component as well and was able to, it was just nice to have an ally and a friend uh, that wasn't only gay, but also was a a man of faith himself.
3: It's been really evident to see your faith play out in how you've handled the proverbial an actual microphone in, um, having a voice in soccer because I've loved just, you know, following in our texts and your social media accounts. I've loved following the balance that you are between, you know, being willing to challenge and push, but also show so much grace to other people on their journey, because you have not, you know, from that first moment with me, I knew this at the lunch table, but beyond and with other people, I've seen it publicly that you are not forcing other people to be where they're not yet in their learning journey. You're just full of grace for people like, okay, well, you have things to learn and um, I'm willing to come alongside if I'm helpful, but it's not my journey to take for someone else. But you showed a lot of grace to me, but I've seen you also do that in um, the soccer world.
0: Yeah, I mean, just how, how can you not? You know, I mean, when you have a like, I have teammates all the time come up to me. I, I think the one that that stands out recently is at our team party at the end of the year, just about a month ago. He, he came up to me and was like, "You've changed my my view of of what a gay person is like, Colin. Like, I've never had a gay friend, a teammate, obviously, but like, you've completely changed my whole idea of what it's like to be a gay person." And so he's, in that instant, instance, isn't coming from any sort of understanding and he's going to say really dumb things and he's going <laughs> to ask me really inappropriate questions. But I kind of relish in being able to, to speak to something, right? I can't speak on behalf of the whole LGBTQ community. Of course not which as just like a white gay male is how, how could I, how could I even try to do that? That's ridiculous. But I can try to speak to my own experience and try to open his mind to maybe people that aren't like him and that aren't like the people in our profession. And so once I realized that you shouldn't be scared of that, those interactions, and you can actually relish that and try to like educate people, it's, it's kind of fun. But I mean, I appreciate you for saying that Carrie, but it's, it's, it's sort of, one that I've kind of been proud to be able to, to be a part of. So,
3: well, that goes back to what you said early on that you felt like you, um, I wish I could get at your exact words cause they're beautiful, but you were saying that how great it is if you can give someone the opportunity to try to hear you and receive you. I don't know. How did you say that you were offering to me the opportunity to receive you as you were and mm, not as you pretended like, to be like,
0: like when, when you come out maybe to like to someone. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the, the way I can, what, what I can think about that is that I often get asked, um, what would you say to a younger person or an older person that wants to come out? Mm-hmm. And at first that was a really hard question. I mean, like, who am I to say? I don't know the person. I don't know anything. But, um, what I continue to say is that when you do find that, that self-acceptance in the place where you do want to share that with someone, the best thing you can do is give your loved ones in your life, the opportunity to receive you and receive you in that light. Because if you don't give them the chance, you'll never know how they're going to receive you. And you have to tell them that thing. And it's not always going to be easy right away, right? Like my relationship with my parents, when I came out to them, it wasn't always super great, right? Right away. But we've really worked on it. But you have to give those people a chance. You have to give the sports world a chance to receive you, Right. I've gotten overwhelming support, but in the back of my mind, I didn't always know if that was going to be the case. But you just have to take a chance.
3: But that is grace on your part that you're coming at people without being defensive or um, assuming the worst of them. You're assuming.
0: Yeah, I try. You're assuming something good. Well, because we can always learn, right? We're none of us are. are perfect in, in, in any in any way. So there, there's, there's no reason to not give people a chance. And they're going to make really, really dumb mistakes and ask really stupid things.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was terrified the day that we had our first conversation that I hadn't been able to be positive enough because I said to you, you know, I don't know even for myself where I am entirely theologically on this question. And I adore you. And I know God adores you. Like I, I don't speak for the Christian Church in any way. I do have a reading of the Bible that I know you are beloved, and God adores you just as you are. Like I know that I was able to say that, but I also know that I sat there with going, but I don't really know, like you know, what to say about my own theology and everything. <laughs> uh... Um, how could well, you,
0: how I, could you, you haven't had, you, 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 you hadn't had to to do it up until then. Maybe.
3: Yes. But that is, a, that is grace on your part towards me because you could have, I just, I just want to name that because no, that I appreciate created that. space for me to just, you know, take a deep breath and go forward. in my journey yeah. learning and listening,
0: you said more than enough. That made me very happy.
3: Did we finish our tacos or not? I mean, I don't know. Oh, you know?
0: Uh, we definitely did.
2: <laughs> we always do. Okay. We always finish uh, the tacos. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love this. I love this so much. It's um, so
0: fun.
2: <laughs> Colin, you're you're also talking about like the sports world and giving kind of the, the opportunity. I, I, I love this language, like giving people the opportunity to know you. So you're now playing for uh, San Diego Loyal and like something just happened just a few weeks ago, months ago now at this point uh, of where your team kind of had the chance to come around you, support you. Love to hear about that. Yeah. So
0: in our last game of the regular season, for those of you that don't know this, I had a player from the opposing team call me a homophobic slur. And um, I think it's important context the week before one of our players got called the N-word. So let me say that this does not happen every week. This is not, this isn't a week to week thing. We had a really, really tough end of the year for our team. And this is in no way indicative of the the soccer community at large, but these things do happen. And they happen in sports. They happen in other places all over our country. But basically, we felt like we had let down our teammate that called the N-word the week before and that we didn't address it right away and we didn't support him right away and we didn't even want to play our final game because we were kind of upset by the way that the league didn't think it was a big deal. Anyway, so we had been working on all this stuff like as a team, like um, we will act, we will speak when we hear something that's wrong. And lo and behold, the following week, my teammates, my coach had a, and, and I give myself a little credit for at least calling out the homophobic slur. We had a chance to act when we knew something wasn't right. So basically I told the ref, the ref didn't really kind of acknowledge it at first. And he actually gave me a red card because he thought I called him gay when I was trying to tell him that I had a gay slur used against me. So it was all <laughs> pretty ridiculous. Um, but then once it all calmed down and my teammates told him, no ref, like he's gay. Why would he do that? That's crazy. And I told the coaches and the referee that I, I, I had been called a, a slur. Basically, then at halftime, my team made the decision. If they weren't going to make a decision on the player to either red card him or uh, sub him out, then our team was going to walk off the field because we can't stand for that type of behavior against one of our players. And I was pretty much the only guy on the team that was like, no, we got to go back out there. Like, please, like my sexuality coming onto the field is the last thing I could ever want. It was literally a nightmare for me. But they were like, it doesn't, it, 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 Colin, it doesn't matter. They can't say this. Their coach had said some really ignorant things as well. So there was like added fuel. And they all gracefully walked off the field with me in protest.
3: And it had repercussions for your season.
0: That we, yeah, <laughs> if we would have won that game, we potentially could have been in the playoffs. And we were winning the game. We were playing Awesome. And the team that beat us is now in the finals, and we are beating them three one so we took a stand and yeah, I give my 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 teammates a lot of credit i give my my coach was extremely supportive. he wanted to walk off the field right away. People can only support you if they know what they need to support that 's the one thing that's been really cool was i get to I get to grow with my teammates, and i've only gotten support from them over the years, and I'm super fortunate for that
2: yeah I, mean, I remember kind of seeing that all go down. Just like through your social media accounts and really neat to see your team kind of come around you in that way. And just like you said, like, take a stand. Carrie, I'm, I'm so curious, you know, like, so now that like Colin's out, we're several years into him being out. What's it like for you to, to watch him kind of live his life now?
3: It's a relief to see someone that you love just be who they are. And going back to what I said about how we just never know what anybody's dealing with internally in life. We just need to be showing everybody a lot of grace because people are hurting and wobbly and we all are. We're all acting like we're fine. And um, so I feel this enormous sense of relief on Colin's behalf to just breathe, (laughs) exhale with him that he is who he is fully operative in the world and not having to pretend he's something different or not, or just not even express fully who he is. So I'm enormously relieved by that, but just also seeing the depth of his character and faith, which, you know, I've seen him over the years in so many settings, but those things are playing out now. It's like, we come to adulthood, we come to crisis, we come to big moments in our lives and we are who we are. We don't, we show who we are in those moments. So when he's dealing with that situation, with that particular game, even in San Diego, Colin's acting as a person of faith, and his grace towards other people. And so it's just fun with anybody that you've known. I mean, I think I met Colin when he was probably a few hours old, was on my way to a black tie event with my husband and we stopped at the hospital to meet him. So I've known him all that time. And so just to see little people that you knew grow up to be men that you admire and that are fun and deep and big souls and big hearts and cool careers. And it's just fun to see kids grow up and to see them become somebody that you um, love and like. And um, I just feel that way about him and all of his siblings. They're just a cool crew and just adore their family and the whole three families that we hang with.
2: Well, I love that. Well, thank you both for coming on. This is so fun. <laughs> if people want to follow y'all, how can they do that?
3: Well, I'm involved in a number of things. Uh, Something called BreadCoin is dear to my heart. Um, That's really not what we're here to talk about, but that is something I'm passionate about. BreadCoin.org, it's the way that a whole community comes together to make sure everybody is fed. I'm on Facebook at Carrie Umhau, writer, speaker, speaker, writer, one of those combos. Uh, (laughs) Twitter, Carrie Umhau, just a variety of projects and places.
0: Breadcoin is really cool. It helps feed the homeless in a, in a pretty unique way in, in DC. And Carrie has been involved with the shelter there for a long time. So definitely check it out and, and see what All the cool work that they're doing. And, uh, you can find me by just looking up Colin Gay Soccer or something. I don't know. (laughs) Is that what people do these days? No, no, I don't know. You can find me where you can find me. You know, um, Colin,
3: that's probably actually true. I mean, that would be a pathway to you. Um, but
0: I don't need to shout anything out in
3: particular. But,
0: um, but thanks so much, Matthias, for, for bringing us on and, and for allowing me to bring, bring my friend. And share the testimony that you need role models and people that, that, are, that are there for you throughout your journey. And if you have one person in your life that you're lucky to have along with you, then, then that one person is, is who they are. And so I'm happy to, to be with you today and, and, and to share Carrie with, the, with your world.
2: Yeah, no, I love it. And, and I mean, the moment you mentioned this, because uh, Carrie has been a part of my journey too. Yes, <laughs> it's just so special so to all fun. to have this have this kind of confluence. And so, um, Matthias, you yeah. know how
3: I first heard about you and your podcast? N- no, from from Colin's mother. <laughs> yeah, like, she'll be
2: like, she'll be listening.
0: That's why I had to behave today.
3: <laughs> she said, "I'm listening to the best podcast, and I'm learning so much." And I'm like, "Okay, mm-hmm. get, tell me." So I started listening, and then I just had a feeling that you and I had a common source of, um, instruction, um, through the Allender Center. I was like, this guy's using language that I really recognize. I'm going to
0: (laughs) like stalk him and see if that's
3: true. And then we met up for coffee and then, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, you know, and I would add to what Colin said that it's those of us in the grandparenting stage of life and the older life stage, we're just so fortunate. I am so fortunate to have people in my life like Colin, who just across generational friendship, where i'm learning and you know just i appreciate the trust actually from both of y'all of men younger than me who are willing to walk a journey with me and do life and learn so thank you both for being who you are
2: thanks you too in the
3: public sphere
2: thank you You can find Colin on Instagram at CM7MD. You can head over to Carrie's website, CarrieUmHow.com, to find more about what she's up to. Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Queerology is made possible because of its active listeners. To find out how you can become an active listener, head over to Patreon.com slash Roberts. A really easy way to support the show is by leaving a rating and a review. You can do that right in your podcast app or head to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear in the show or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you. And until next time, y'all, bye.